Hello, and welcome to the Preview Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be spotlighting items from the current month's previews catalog. This is Preview Spotlight number 176 for the July 2020 solicitations. In this episode, we'll be going over some of the items in the upcoming solicitations that you might find interesting. Now, comics are a pre-order business, so whether we like it or not, it behooves us to take a look at what's going to be offered a couple of months out and let our retailers know so they can order appropriately. Now, these episodes have an open submission policy, and I encourage you to send in clips to promote the comics you love as often as you can. Now, there are thousands of items solicited every month, and it's easy for things to get lost in the shuffle. Or just fly beneath your radar. We'll be starting with the DC Connect catalog, followed by the Marvel's Previews catalog, and then working our way through the Diamond Previews catalog. Obviously, we aren't going to go item by item, or page by page, or even publisher by publisher. We're just going to hit the highlights, and those highlights are picked by people like you. So with that, let's get going. My first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. I find these incredibly helpful to find out what's coming out a few months from now and kind of plan my order appropriately. Sometimes there's stuff that sounds good on paper, but I look at the art or something about the solicitation doesn't work for me, or there's something that I wouldn't have noticed unless, you know, the art had caught my eye or the solicitation looks pretty cool or something like that. Matter of fact, there have been a couple of times where I'll see something and realize I missed the first two issues or something like that, and and go order them. So just flipping through these catalogs is kind of my monthly equivalent of the old Sears Toys catalog when I was a kid of, you know, finding out what cool things were out there to be had, and then making sure I got them as, as best I could. So whether you get the printed catalogs or not, this information is available online at the various websites for the distributors and the publishers and such. Comics are a pre-order business. It makes sense to know what's coming out so you can let your retailer know so they can have it so you can get it. So once again, my first pick is the pre-order catalogs of DC Connect, Marvel Previews, and Diamond Previews. Hey, this is James, and I'm here with my first pick in the DC Connect for, I guess it's July for things coming out in September. And on page number two, there's a really nice one coming out. It is Batman versus Robin number one, written by Mark Wade, art by Mahmoud Asrar. And by the way, Mahmoud Asrar, he was uh, he did a lot of work over at Marvel. I really like him as an artist, and I've always loved Mark Wade, so he's a terrific writer. So this one, I was like, okay, cool. We got Batman based on the cover versus Damien. I love Damien. Uh, so it says. Spinning out of the events of both Batman, Superman, World's Finest, which I am reading and I have not gotten to this part yet, and Shadow War, which I did not read all of it, but the parts I did read was pretty good. Father and son will do battle in one of the uh, the single most earth-shattering tales ever told. Deep in the heart of Lazarus Island, the demonic legacy of the Al Ghul family line has been last been freed, and the devil Neza is out for blood. And we read a lot about the devil Neza in a different book. But to reclaim his total domination over planet Earth, Neza has supercharged magic. Anyone who char- who dares use over, uh, it's, I'm, I'm getting tongue-tied. 
Anyone who dares use it is overcome by a demonic evil that supercharges their abilities to dangerous, unpredictable, and in some cases, deadly levels. With Damien and Neza's clutches and Bruce haunted by the return of an old friend, the Dark Knight and Boy Wonder are pitted against one another in a battle of the century. Now, I tend to think that if this is a real fight, Batman is going to knock the bejesus out of Robin because we saw Damien lose in a tournament to Hawk in his own book. So Batman, eh, that's just a knock, uh, notch up above Hawk. So uh, good luck to you, Damien. I really like you as a character, but I don't think you're going to do too well in this battle. It doesn't say... Oh yeah, it says say, one of five. So this is a five-issue mini, so I don't know how long the battle will go for and how visceral it'll be. But uh, I'm definitely on board for this. It is the one warning I have for you. It is five ninety-nine, six bucks for forty-eight pages. There's a variant for seven bucks, but six bucks is already more than I want to pay. So it's kind of pricey. So you're paying for Mark Wade, the number one character at DC, uh, another Batman title. So you're, yeah, you're definitely going to pay for this. But I'm on board for it, and hopefully it is good. And on to my next pick. Dr. Mo here with the DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Dark Crisis number four. Yeah, so Dark Crisis is definitely in full swing by the time issue four comes out in September. The first issue has already dropped, and the long story short of it is I can definitely see where things are converging. I feel as if particularly that first issue, it, it very much reminded me of Infinite Crisis and in which you've got all these desperate parts just kind of coming together and setting off this chain reaction of events that's leading into DC's newest or in, and perhaps in their mind, biggest crisis to date. But we'll, we'll see about how well it, it, it how well it lives up to being a, a kind of a biggest crisis. But you know, but in all honesty, Crisis on Infinite Earths, the OG crisis was st- is and still remains the best crisis of the ball. J- just wanted to put that out there for folks. But anyway, Joshua Williamson, who is the architect or primary the main primary architect of this Dark Crisis series. And he really has been the one writing the bulk of the lead in issues to Dark Crisis, especially Dark Crisis before, because the tagline for this in the solicitation is the birth of the new multiverse. Now, uh, Joshua Williamson has been playing with the theme and the concept of the multiverse since Death Metal ended, starting first with Infinite Frontier. He was part of that one shot, the Infinite Frontier min, uh, mini series, and then Justice Incarnate, and of course, Justice League 75. And so you kind of see all these things converge. And then again, we've, you've got, you know, this whole thing with Deathstroke going, uh, going on in Dark Crisis that started in the first issue part and it leads into this fourth issue is with Deathstroke wants to erase the notion of hero legacy. Again, he was building that when Williamson was writing that Deathstroke Inc. So you can see the threads just kind of coming together. And then, of course, you've got Pariah and the Great Darkness. Again, two other concepts Joshua Williamson had been playing together. So if you've been reading, you know, these key books in DC for the last year or so, you're pretty much up to speed. 
I do feel, I hope that subsequent issues from issue one give us a little bit more action. And clearly based on the preview pages for issue two that have been released, we see a bit of that. Again, I think that things are starting to unfold. And again, when you get this talk of a new multiverse, it's either one of two things. It's going to be a really bad photocopy where it's just keep photocopying things. And this is the what the, the the sixth or the eighth. Who knows what is this? The quote unquote new multiverse. I just hope that at the end of this, maybe and maybe issue four will give us this kind of roadmap to what is continuity in D.C. going forward, because it's clear Joshua Williamson has an affinity for the various DC continuities because he's really trying to play and incorporate all of that. It's just that I hope that the final product is comprehensible. Dark Crisis number four can be found on page 10 of DC Connect and costs $4.99. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the DC Connect. And this time I'm over on page 16 where we get John Carter, Warlord of Mars, a.k.a. Superman, Warlord of Apocalypse. This is a, a number one. It is a, I, I'm assuming, and it does say on here, one shot, Superman, Warlord, War, ah, War World Apocalypse number one, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, art by Brandon Peterson and Will Conrad. This is another expensive book, seven bucks, but instead of with the Robin versus Batman only getting 48 pages, at least here you get 56 pages. So they're dinging you on the on the pricing of it. It's getting expensive. If you're going to get this variant cover, it's eight bucks. I'm not doing that. Forget it. Seven bucks is more than I want to spend. But this is the conclusion of everything that's happening in action comics, apparently. And you see a big image, the cover of Clark Kent, the warlord of Mars, coming down with his cape on. He just needs his little sword, and he's definitely John Carter. And it says, it has all led to this. The final battle between Superman and Mongol, and between the Authority and Mongol's unmade champions. The identity of the hooded stranger has been revealed, uncovering a shocking betrayal that threatens to crush Superman's rebellion forever. But as the fate of the world relies on Superman, the last chance to return his powers now lies with Natasha. John Henry Irons. So anyways, I, I've been enjoying this story. Not, I joke around about you know the Warlord of Mars. I don't know why they made him look like this. Apparently what they want to do a John Carter story. And that's in public domain. They could do that. But by doing it with Superman, they own it and you can't copy this. So, uh, you know, basically they're not going to be sued for using John Carter regardless because it's in the public domain. But this was a pretty cool story. You had Superman going to War World and fighting and the chains and the unbroken chains and you know, getting chains for beating people in an arena. And now the people are there. There's an uprising against Mongol. And we find out that there's not just one Mongol, but there's a t it's a title that's been given. Cool mythology. Totally not Superman, but I'm digging it. So I'm definitely going to get this. I recommend if you've been enjoying the story, you read this. And if not, skip it. But on to my next pick. Hi, I'm Billy Hogan, host of the Superman Fan Podcast, and I go by Superman Fan on the forums. And my first pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on page 16 with Superman War World Apocalypse Number 1, which is a one-shot issue. Since Junior Phoenix picked this first on the forums, 
I'll let him read the solicit and spare you having to listen to it being read twice. I'll just say that I will be getting the main cover by Steve Beach, especially since the regular edition is six ninety nine for fifty six pages, and the variant cover editions are seven ninety nine. When this storyline first began, I was concerned because I was afraid it was going to lead into the death of Superman. And even though that it has been a somewhat brutal storyline, especially concerning Superman himself, there have been glimmers of hope in this storyline so that it hasn't been a totally depressing story. And I'm looking forward to reading the conclusion to the story of one of the Man of Steel's greatest challenges. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on the very next page, number 17, with Action Comics number 1047, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, with art by Will Conrad. The backup art is by David Laffham. The main cover is by Steve Beach, which is the one I'll be getting, especially since the rendition of Superman reminds me a lot of the George Reeves Superman from the 1950s TV series. A variant cover is also done by Nathan Zerdi, and a 1 in 25 variant cover by Lucio Parillo. A Harley Quinn 30th anniversary variant cover is by Lyrics. The cover price of the regular edition is $4.99 for 40 pages, and the variant cardstock editions are $5.99, and is scheduled to be on sale September 27th, which will be my 62nd birthday. In the aftermath of Superman's epic War World Revolution, the Man of Steel is back on Earth and stronger than he's ever been, as he and Steel join forces to remake Metropolis as a true city of tomorrow, Two of Superman's most iconic villains take notice, and they have plans of their own. Meanwhile, Superman's meddling on War World has had unforeseen consequences. He's awakened an enemy so ancient and powerful, even the stronger-than-ever Superman will need the whole superfamily to face it. Introducing new characters and beginning this new chapter in Superman's mythology, don't miss the kickoff to the countdown to Action Comics Number 1050. With the death of the Justice League storyline in the Justice League title, I'm curious as to what's going to happen with Action Comics number 1050 and with the conclusion to the War World storyline. I'm looking forward to the next chapter in the Man of Steel's career. Or will it lead to a reboot of the entire DC Comics continuity? Dr. Mo here with a DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Flashpoint Beyond number five, or as I'd like to call it, the adventures of the Thomas Wayne Batman in the Flashpoint universe. If you've been following this miniseries, it features the Flashpoint Batman, aka Thomas Wayne, who has been transported under mysterious circumstances, to Flashpoint Universe, but it kind of looks like Flashpoint Universe if it didn't go kabloom or kablam, as it did in the original Flashpoint miniseries. A number of the threads 
that were going on with the Amazons and the Atlanteans battle. That that's continuing along, but Barry undoing things. It's more or less what if Barry didn't undo things. The primary antagonist or the mystery that the Thomas Wayne Batman is trying to solve beyond how he got here is that of the clockwork killer who is going around killing off various members of the DC continuity supporting cast members who all share a similar trait or characteristic or ability. I'm not going to go any further because I think that's kind of spoiler and that's kind of the fun of this mystery is once you start looking at the victims, you you kind of quickly see what is the link that connects all of them together. I believe that this miniseries is a deviation or more of a little off-ramp to what's going on in the regular or the main DC continuity with Dark Crisis. Joshua Williamson himself in interviews has said that this miniseries, Flashpoint Beyond, connects back in to the greater DC continuity, but he didn't say how. Prior to this miniseries, Thomas Wayne was being utilized by Joshua Williamson in Justice League Incarnate. You kind of see what happens with, with Thomas Wayne in there. It is described, and if I remember correctly, the zero issue of Flashpoint Beyond, what Thomas Wayne was doing prior to this miniseries. Now, Joshua Williamson is not writing Flashpoint Beyond. It's being written by the original or co-written rather by the original Flashpoint architect, Jeff Johns, along with writers uh, Jeremy Adams, who is currently writing The Flash, and Tim Sheridan, who up until very recently was writing Titans Academy. The artwork is provided by Zamerico, who I think has been a real find for DC in the in recent years. He's worked on titles like Injustice. He worked with Brant Morrison on his Dark Stars mini when he was working on the Hal Jordan Green Lantern title. Zamerico worked with Joshua Williamson, if I remember correctly, on that Infinite Frontier miniseries. So he's been doing a lot of Yoma's work. He's actually worked with a lot of different types of characters. I think that DC was really smart in the lead into this miniseries, releasing a very cheap collection that reprints the original Flashpoint Batman miniseries that introduced this version of the Thomas Wayne Batman. It was written by Brian Azzarello, drawn by Eduardo Rizzo. Rizzo did the zero issue for Flashpoint Beyond. You need to read that in order to kind of get some context for how this version of Batman works in the Flashpoint universe. Flashpoint Beyond, number five, can be found on page 19 of DC Connect and costs $3.99. Hey, this is James back with another pick in the DC Connect. And this time I'm over on page 20 and I'm looking at a comic that we've been talking about in the Slack channel for a little while. It is DC Horror Presents. Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. It is a six-issue miniseries. This is $3.99, a normal price, so I'm happy that it's not overpriced like the ones I've been pointing out. The writer is Bruce Campbell. The art is Eduardo Rizzo. And 
we all know about Sergeant Rock. DC uh, has a nice archive of Sergeant Rock, GI Combat, different World War II era, you know, the Unknown Soldier, things like that. But for whatever reason, they don't, you know, keep that back stock material in print. It, it, it's almost impossible to find that stuff. But here they're coming out with a new World War II type thing. The reason why I say type thing is it's a horror story. But it says Berlin, 1944. The Nazis are besieged on all fronts by the Allied forces. Sounds cool. Defeat is inevitable. But Hitler and his team of evil scientists attempt a last-ditch effort that may turn the tide of war and rewrite history itself. A serum that resurrects their dead soldiers. Stronger than they were in life and sends them back into the battlefield. As zombies, of course. Now, Sergeant Frank Rock and Easy Company have been dispatched into enemy territory to face off against the strangest, most horrific enemies they've ever encountered. Nazi zombies. It's completely ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> Nazi zombies. But I like World War II stuff. I like Sergeant Rock as a character. So I'm on board for this, even though it's completely ludicrous, asinine. But sign me up. I'm getting it. And on to my next pick. Hey everyone, it's Chris Brawley, also known as the Brawlinator. Again, I'm back with my picks this month, and my first pick is in the DC Connect catalog. I'm on page 20, and Bruce Campbell. He is uh, the immediately recognizable star of the Evil Dead franchise, and now he's teaming up with DC Comics to write a six-issue limited series, and the title says it all. DC Horror Presents Sergeant Rock vs. The Army of the Dead, with art by Eduardo Risso, who's best known for his work on 100 Bullets. The new limited comic series is set in Berlin, 1944. The Nazis are flanked on all fronts by the combined Allied forces, and their defeat seems inevitable. But Hitler and his evil scientists have figured out a way to resurrect the dead, and they're going to resurrect their dead soldiers and create an army of the dead even stronger than they were in life. Sergeant Rock and his easy company are sent into enemy territory to face off against their strangest, most horrific enemies that they've ever encountered, Nazi zombies. Now, they could have just written the words, Easy Company versus Nazi zombies, and I would have been down for this. I'm a big fan of Bruce Campbell and Evil Dead, Sam Raimi and all that, and I expect this is going to be bonkers and beautiful and bombastic, three things I really like in my comics these days. I was also a fan of horror comics and Sergeant Rock comics growing up. So I'm hoping this ends up being a delicious combination of the two. Uh, Check out the solicit over on page 20 of this month's DC Connect. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect special catalog. This is from page 24. It's Batman The Audio Adventures number one. Written by Dennis McNicholas. Art by Anthony Marquez and Jay Bone. And got a nice cover here by Dave Johnson of Batman hanging on to a radio tower. And here's what the solicitation says. Don't touch that dial. Picking up right after the season finale of the award-winning podcast, Batman The Audio Adventures, continues in this new seven-issue miniseries. A string of attacks has plagued Gotham's seedy underbelly, sending criminals into a panic. But it's not Batman who is striking at the heart of the city. It's a group of mysterious assailants on the hunt for an ancient artifact. As Batman hunts down these assassins, he finds clues that keep drawing him to their true goal, the Sword of King Scimitar. Now, this also serves as a good reminder for me to track down this Batman the Audio Adventures podcast, or whatever you want to technically call it, 
an audio presentation that is streaming on HBO Max, and one of those things I just haven't gotten around to. But I'm a fan of these old-time audio adventures, and something with Batman as the focus seems like it'd be pretty good. And I like the fact that they're kind of taking that sort of, uh, what I would assume, noir approach and uh, carrying it forward into a little mini-series. Not like anybody's never read a Batman book or never read a Batman noir book, but uh, I think this has the potential to be good. Check it out. On sale November, I'm sorry, September 27th, 2022. Brawlinator again. I'm on page 34 looking at an Action Comics number one facsimile edition. Now you can own your very own copy of The Man of Steel's first adventure with a facsimile edition of Action Comics number one featuring all the tales of the original 1938 publication. Now, Marvel has made these facsimile editions pretty fashionable. Uh, they did so, started a few years back. DC quickly followed suit with a pretty robust program of its own. Uh, but when the pandemic hit, both companies started pumping the brakes. And Marvel in recent months has begun bringing them back, and DC is back. Hopefully this means more to come. Uh, I believe this is the first full reprint of Action Number 1 since the famous first edition tabloid back in the 70s. Uh, we also got Detective Comics number 27 last month, so will we get Wonder Woman's first appearance next month? Now, these are full-on reprints, including the ads and more. So, I mean, this is the only difference you can tell is the cover price. Um, now, if you're a multimillionaire, you can try to get your hands on an original 1938 edition. <laughs> this one is seven clams, uh, but the, the original uh, actually recently a CGC graded 8.5. My gosh, that's a great grading. Uh, 8.5 for an Action Comics number one. That one sold at auction for just over $2 million, I think, back in 2018. Uh, so this seven bucks will be a bargain. It's on page 34, Action Comics number one in the DC Connect. These are kind of cool. You might want to think about getting it. I'm also going to mention a couple of other facsimile editions over in the Marvel section. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on page 34 with Action Comics number one facsimile edition. Written by Jerry Siegel, Homer Fleming, Fred Gardiner, and others. With art by Joe Schuster, Homer Fleming, Will Eli, Sven Elvin, and others. Cover by Joe Schuster. The cover price is $6.99 for 62 pages which is a lot more than the original 10 cents of the original publication of Action Number 1, and is scheduled to be on sale September 20th. Sent to Earth as an infant to escape a dying planet and raised by humble farmers to uphold the values of truth, justice, and the American way, Superman is regarded by many as the greatest superhero in comics history. Now you can have your very own copy of The Man of Steel's first adventure, with this handsome facsimile edition of Action Comics number one, featuring all the tales and ads from the original 1938 publication, you will believe that a man can fly. While I do have a reprint of the Superman story in Action Comics number one, complete with the iconic cover to that historic first issue. I never have had a copy of the original Action Comics number one. 
complete with all of the stories and characters from that first issue because Superman only appears in the first story. Like most comic books in this early era of the late 1930s, Action Comics began as an anthology featuring a lot of characters, and the Man of Steel did not return to the cover for a number of issues until the company that would become known as DC Comics learned of the popularity of the Man of Steel. I do have a oversized famous first edition reprint of Superman number one, which included this first story in an expanded format, but I couldn't pass up this chance to get a reprint copy of Action Comics number one, where it all started for the Man of Steel, or as he was known in the earliest Superman stories, Champion of the Weak and Oppressed. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on page 36 with Batman Superman, World's Finest, number 7. Written by Mark Wade with art and cover by Dan Mora, which is the cover I'll be getting. The variant cover is by Joshua Middleton. And a 1 in 25 variant cover is drawn by Pete Wood. And a 1 in 50 variant cover by Todd Knock. The regular edition is $3.99 for 32 pages, and the cardstock variant covers are $4.99, and this issue is scheduled to be on sale September 20th. Brand new story arc. The untold story of Superman's short-lived sidekick is at last revealed, but what secret connection to one of DC's most timeless tales does this story foreshadow? Only time will tell. That's a clue, folks. The next epic arc in the world's finest saga begins here. Introducing Boy Thunder. I've enjoyed the first few issues of this series very much. Mark Wade has done an excellent job of taking Superman's history and bits of continuity from past Superman stories and telling them in a new and fresh way, making a fun story to read. And this sounds like another one right up that alley. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on page 38 with Fables number 155, which is the fifth issue of a 12-issue miniseries, written by Bill Willingham, with art by Mark Buckingham and Steve Leloha. The main cover is by... Christina Kalida, which is the one I'll be getting, and there is a variant cover by Mark Buckingham. The regular edition is cover priced $3.99 for 32 pages, and the variant cardstock cover is $4.99, and is scheduled to go on sale September 20th. Blossom Wolf's adventure takes a dark turn when she comes across a stack of ancient boxes bound up in chains. The voice inside begs to be freed, but will Blossom's curiosity get the best of her? Meanwhile, Green Jack and Mrs. Bear find themselves lost amongst the Mundies, determined to find whoever is threatening their woods, but Pam has already caught wind of their arrival. Fables was one of those series that I came into late, and I'm hoping to eventually read the series in collected editions and 
enjoyed the whole series. And I'm glad that Bill Willingham and Mark Buckingham are creating a new Fables story. Billy Hogan again. My next pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is on page 40 with Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 15. Written by Tom Taylor with art by C.N. Torme. And the main cover is by Travis Moore, which is the one I'll be getting. And a variant cover is drawn by David Talosky with a 1 in 25 variant cover drawn by Pamela Hoogeboom. The regular edition is cover priced $3.99 for 32 pages, and the variant cardstock covers are $4.99. This issue is scheduled to be on sale September 13th. This is it. The ultimate battle pitting Superman and the forces of the truth against Bendix and his monstrous machinations has begun. But victory will be an uphill climb for our heroes as they lay siege to Gamora. Plus, the smooch heard round the world. I've been enjoying this series as Jonathan Kent takes the Superman mantle and makes it his own, proving himself to be his own Man of Steel and not just following in his father's footsteps. So this sounds like an exciting issue. Billy Hogan again. My final pick in the DC Comics Connect magazine is also on page 40, with Superman Space Age number 2 of a three-issue miniseries. Written by Mark Russell, with art and main cover by Michael Allred, which is the one I'll be getting because I'm such a fan of his art. A variant cover is by Dave Johnson, and a 1 in 25 variant cover is drawn by Nick Darrington. The cover price is $9.99 for 80 pages, and it is a prestige format edition on sale September 27th. Superman has arrived and he's out of sight, right? The world may love him, but the citizens of Metropolis are growing skeptical as the cities around them suffer without the help of the Man of Steel. The world doesn't need saving as much as it needs changing, and Superman and his super friends in the Justice League seem unqualified to save the day the way they once did. Could this be the beginning of the end that Pariah prophesied, or is it just a sign of the times? I'm such a fan of Mike Allred's art that I will get just about any project he's working on, and even with a $9.99 cover price, I can't resist this miniseries. This is Nick with a pick from the DC Connect special catalog from page 41. It is the Jurassic League, number 5. And again, this is a very goofy concept, but I'm highlighting again the course main premise here is Justice League as turned into dinosaurs. We've got the solicitation here which says, Darkseid has revealed himself and the entire world trembles beneath his might. Can even the newly assembled Jurassic League stand a chance against this Ankylosaur antagonist and his legion of Dumasauria? Experience this prehistoric penultimate chapter to find out. Written by Daniel Warren Johnson and Juan Gideon, and art by Juan Gideon. And the price for this is $3.99 for 32 pages. Wraps up in October. 
Dr. Mo here with a DC pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Young Justice Targets number three. DC is continuing to offer a print version of this digital first title. Now, Young Justice Targets takes place in the continuity of the Young Justice cartoon, which originally aired on Cartoon Network and recent seasons have streamed on HBO Max. This third issue follows up the plotline of issues one and two in which Perdisha, who has been the on-again, off-again girlfriend of Gar Logan, a.k.a. Beast Boy, a.k.a. Changeling, she, there was a mishap with her. That's been resolved. This current issue focuses on Nightwing and Robin leading two separate teams dealing with a connected threat across the globe. What I really like about the Young Justice continuity is that it provides an opportunity for other members of the Batman family, Nightwing, the Tim Drake Robin, to lead different strike teams comprised of probably what is the, the equivalent of other J Justice League characters, Titans characters, characters from the old Super Friends cartoon, even just this hodgepodge of characters that they've mixed together on these different strike teams. It's really, really cool, especially once you get a handle on the sort of structure of this. This issue also features a Green Arrow backup as well. So it's really, really packed. And the comic is written by Greg Weissman, who is one of the showrunners for the show. So clearly, this is going to have ramifications. Young Justice have been producing these sort of miniseries that fit in between seasons for a while now. The artwork is by Christopher Jones, who has been working on this property for a while. Jones' style is very much fits into the style of the animated series. So it really does feel like you're going from the on-screen version to the print version. It, it really shouldn't matter. You really should feel like you're thrust into this universe. Young Justice Targets, number three, can be found on page 42 of DC Connect and costs $3.99. Billy Hogan again. My first pick in the Marvel Comics Previews magazine is on page 9 with Fantastic Four number 47, written by David Pipos, with art by Juan Cabal. Cover A is by Cafu, and cover B is by John Tyler Christopher, which is an amazing Spider-Man variant, and there is also a Russell Dodderman Invisible Woman variant. Axe, Judgment Day tie-in. The taking of Baxter 1234 begins now. With judgment looming over the Marvel Universe, Reed Richards has locked himself in his think tank in search of answers. But with the fate of humanity on the line, what happens when Obliette Midas sets her sights on the Baxter building? As the Fantastic Four falls before the Exterminatrix's death traps, only one hero remains standing. But if you thought Obliette was dangerous, it's nothing compared to what the Invisible Woman is capable of. Get ready for Die Hard in the Baxter Building, as we've only got one thing left to say. Yippee-ki-yay, Marvel Universe. Rated teen and is scheduled to be in shops on September 21st, 
for the cover price of $3.99. What a great way to set up this story. The Invisible Woman is in a die-hard situation at the Baxter Building. What more do you have to say? I'll certainly be reading it. Hey, this is James back with another pick. This time I'm in the previews uh, catalog, and I'm using the digital previews, and it looks like I'm on page 14 in there. And I'm looking at the catalog startup with a bunch of Axe stuff, Avengers, X-Men, Eternals, that's being resolicited because all the comics got pushed because of uh, printing delays. But there's a new number one on this page. It's Midnight Suns number one of five, writers Ethan Sachs. And artist is Luigi Zagaria. Ethan Sachs can be a good writer when he's on. He's very good. He's done some of the, I remember some of the Wasteland and Old Man stuff. And I did enjoy that. So I'm definitely, when I saw he was the writer, I'm like, okay, I'll give that a shot. And the Midnight Suns, that's from the 90s. I, I'm pretty sure I remember reading all the Midnight Suns back in the, the 90s. But this is like an eclectic group. Motley Crew. <laughs> You got Wolverine in here. You got Magic. It looks like you have Blade. It looks like you have Ghost Rider, but it's not the Ghost Rider we know because it's wearing Native American garb, and it looks like it may be a woman. I honestly have no clue. I don't know what's going on here, but there's other other characters too. It says the Spirit Rider and Nico Manuru. So I don't know what's going on. It's the Spirit Rider. I guess that, I I don't know about the Spirit Rider. Maybe a new Ghost Rider. But let me tell you what this one's about. It says a dark prophecy and apocalyptic new villains with horrifying powers, the likes of which Earth has never faced before, ordains a team of Midnight Suns to rise up and tear Bleep up. <laughs> and it's like Magic, Wolverine, Blade, Spirit Rider, and Vico. But, but what does this new threat have uh, to do with the Sorcerer Supreme's past? And why is Strange Academy student Zoe Lavu, and I've been, not been reading Strange Academy, so Zoe Lavu from Strange Academy, Number one on the Suns list. We shall find out. I'm probably going to check it out. It's a five-issue miniseries, $3.99, four bucks, normal price comic. So you're only in for five issues if you want to try it out. This one's on the fence. I'm probably going to pick it up and check it out, but not 100% sure. On to my next pick. It's Chris Brawlinator again with a facsimile edition, this time in the Marvel section on page 18. It is... Not Amazing Fantasy number 15, but the very first issue of Spider-Man's ongoing series, Volume 1, Amazing Spider-Man number 1, facsimile edition. So this is when he really starts to become the superhero. He's already been bitten by the radioactive spider, got his powers, donned his costume, learned a tragic lesson about power and responsibility. Now it's time for him to swing into action. Now, this is one of the all-time great Marvel comic books, and it's being boldly re-presented in its original form with ads and all reprinting Amazing Spider-Man number one from back in 1963. My goodness, wow, it's 50 years. Actually, 60 years. Wow. These full-on reprints, just like the DC ones, uh, include ads, letters, columns, backups, and whatnot. Uh, these are like little time capsules of comic history. Uh, for just a few dollars, so it's not too shabby. And also on that same page, page 18 uh, in the Marvel previews, is uh, Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1. Another complete reproduction the way it was originally released. Uh, these are very well put together. Uh, the only difference between these and the, um, the originals, uh, basically, is the paper quality and the cover price. <laughs> 
uh, but you're going to be able to get these for uh, a pittance of what you'd pay for uh, an actual um, original these days. These are fun to have, fun to have around. Get a couple of copies, one that you can keep. Uh, believe it or not, I've seen sometimes these reprints actually sell pretty well on the secondary market, but that's really more of a question for Drew. I just think these are neat to have. Uh, I, I know I've got these uh, collected in a hardcover edition, but these are just neat to, to have on your shelf too. Uh, check it out. Again, page 18, Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1 and Amazing Spider-Man Number 1 facsimile editions from Marvel this month. This is Nick with a pick from the Marvel Previews Catalog. This from page 18. It's Amazing Spider-Man Number 1. The facsimile edition. So this, of course, represents the Amazing Spider-Man number one, written by Stan Lee, penciled by Steve Ditko, cover by Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. And it says, representing the inaugural issue of Spider-Man's iconic ongoing series, which followed fast after the Wall Crawler's blockbuster debut in Amazing Fantasy number 15. Peter Parker has been bitten by the radioactive spider, gained incredible abilities, donned his colorful costume, and learned a tragic tragic lesson about power and responsibility. And now it's time for him to swing into action. But can our young hero rescue a crew of astronauts aboard the malfunctioning shuttle? Even if he does, he'll still end up public enemy number one. As far as journalist J. Jonah Jameson is concerned, then Spidey shows off his skills in a bid to join the Fantastic Four, and comes face to faces with his very first supervillain, the identity-stealing chameleon. It's one of the all-time great Marvel comic books, boldly represented in its original form. Ads and all. Reprinting Amazing Spider-Man number 1 from 1963. 32 pages, and guess what? Only $3.99. So, check this one out if you're a fan of these facsimile editions. You've probably got a collection or something that's got this comic in it, but this would be a fun little chance to see the thing as it was presented. Make you feel like you're back in the 1960s if you were uh, reading comic books at the time. But if not, it's also just a great chance to pick up this fun first story and see a lot of those things we like about Spider-Man were present there from the very beginning. Billy Hogan again. My final pick in the Marvel Comics Previews magazine is on page 27 with Damage Control number 2 of a five-issue miniseries written by Adam F. Goldberg and Hans Rodinoff, with art by Will Robson. Cover A is by Carlos Pacheco, which is the one I'll be getting, and cover B is by Superlog, from the writers of TV's The Goldbergs. After he nearly caused a scroll attack in our last issue, the management at Damage Control has wisely chosen to try and place Gus in a less volatile position. How much harm can Gus do in the Consumer Affairs Office listening to complaints and grievances? Actually, the answer is a lot. When things get out of control, Gus has to call on Ant-Man and the Wasp to try and turn a big problem into a little one in a story we call Honey, Pim Shrunk the Kids. Adam F. Goldberg and Hans Rodinoff tap the keys while the incomparable Will Robson turns words into glorious art as Gus makes a horrible first impression on the Punisher, Ant-Man, the Wasp, and more. End shops September 28th for the cover price of $3.99. I still have the first two sets of Damage Control miniseries written by co-creator 
the late great Dwayne McDuffie. And this new miniseries looks like it's picking up where it left off and will be a great addition to the damage control story. What's up guys, Axman Patrick here and I am in the Marvel section. And if you're in the Marvel section with us, a lot of these books are reprinted. I don't know what happened, but Marvel pushed back pretty much their whole catalog except for a handful of books. I'm guessing because of paper shortage. So there's nothing really new for me to call out. I mean, if you want to listen to my Marvel sections, listen to last month's because all those books are pretty much pushed back except for maybe Iron Cat. But there's a spoiler in Iron Cat and I don't want to read that yet. So I'm in the back. We are looking at page. Marvel doesn't do all pages. 65, 64. We're looking at Fortnite x Marvel Zero War Premiere hardcover. The reason why I'm calling this out is because if you miss number one, it's very hard to get right now. You missed out on the code for number one. But this contains a code for six Marvel-themed digital cosmetics in Fortnite. Yes, you read it right. Six Marvel-themed cosmetics. There's only five books, but when it's just like the DC one. When you collect all five, a sixth one comes out and you can get that too. It's, it completes the whole set. So it's written by Christos Gage and Donald Mustard, penciled by Sergio Davila and Jose Luis. Covered by Linnell Francis Yu. It is... I'm not going to read the whole thing to it. You guys know what it is. I don't even know if it's a really good read. I am going to pop it open and try to read it. I'm probably going to get this too, just in case my kid, you know, loses his comics or something. I like... I have the DC one. Why not collect the Marvel one too, right? Alright, so this is your next shot to get all the codes. Just a reminder. This is your next shot for Fortnite to get all your codes. My son and I actually stopped playing Fortnite because it changed over from experience points to star system and i can't stand that stuff so i'm not playing it much anymore but we like to collect the codes anyway all right on to the next pick what's up guys x patrick here and i'm in the lunar page online and i'm looking up the next phase is this what it's called i'm sorry if you hear me scrolling as i was reading it's called next phase from lunar distribution and most of these books are in previews but guess what isn't artist elite i like artist elite i i read oh what was that book it was tyler kirkham's uh book and it was pretty cool i really liked it so i really wanted to uh continue collecting artist elite i got the first primer red and blue now we got artist elite two presents i might have missed number one i'm gonna have to keep a lookout on the foc for it so artist elite presents writers are ben temple smith james t mitchell and ryan kincaid artists temple smith freddie williams second that's the guy that does batman and ninja turtles and ryan kincaid covers you got tyler kirkham c de la cruz ben temple smith freddie williams second and ryan kincaid full color 24 pages 4.99 eh, that's a little pricey um artist elite presents number two features a premiere of three new stories ben temple smith's 30 days and night he's he's been a writer of 30 days and night dark skulls where five weary and jaded immorals tied to the life force of the planet might bother to come together to save it one last time. Freddie William II, Batman and TMNT writer, Belong tells how a lonely, quiet, creative kid finds a family he's always wanted by eagerly paying everything for it. Ryan Kincaid's, he did cover artist, Seraph and the Seven, questions if sending one of their original angels will be enough to save humanity from the seven deadly sins. Sounds pretty cool. A lot of cool covers. I am totally in. 
Number three, let's see who number three. Number three, we have part two of Brett Booth's. Scrolling down. Chad Harden's Death Watch. Scrolling down. John, Jordan Gunderson's Apothesis. So, pretty cool covers. Pretty cool idea. They're doing exactly what we were saying that, you know, comic companies might have to do is just put a bunch of little short stories together and collect them that way and see which ones um, rise to the top, you know, the cream that rises to the top. So, Artist Elite is one of my new publishers I've been collecting, and I'm going to continue to collect them until they're not cool anymore. So, I guess on to the next pick. I don't know where this is going to land because it's Artist Elite and Lunar Distribution. I'll uh, leave it up to John. All right, see you guys on the next one. Hey, this is James, and I'm in the image section of the previews catalog, and I'm over on page 32. I'm using the digital previews right now, so I'm looking at the order form. It says it's on page 32, and then I go to previews world. But it looks like uh, there's a new series. It's a new number one coming out from writer Jeff Lemire. The artist is Dave Stewart, and the cover artist is Andrea Sorrentino. And it is called Bone Orchard Black Feathers. And it says, from the acclaimed creative team behind Gideon Balls, which I did read and I did enjoy, Primordial, which was kind of weird, and The Passageway, which I did not read. So one out of three I, I read and enjoyed, so don't, I just don't know about the others that much. Comes a new series in the bold and ambitious shared horror universe of the Boneyard Orchard mythos. Trish and Jackie are best friends and avid gamers, but when the line between reality and their fantasy world is blurred by an evil darkness, can they be the heroes of their own story? So, 10,000 Black Feathers is the newest entry into the Bone Orchard mythos from Lemire and Sorrentino, and the universe will contain, you know, self-contained graphic novels, limited series, and blah blah blah, goes on and on. Now, I'm trying to look on the order form, and it looks like they're resoliciting the Gideon Balls trade paperbacks and primordials so you can pick those up in a hardcover but i'm gonna probably pick this one up i like some horror stuff it's so i'm definitely gonna give it a shot and see how i like it if i don't like it uh i'll drop it that's just my new thing if i if i don't like it i'm not gonna keep it around forever and on to my next pick hi this is marvin also known as viking joker and i am on page 32 of the main previews catalog in the image section, looking at Bone Orchard 10,000 Black Feathers number one. This is a book by Lemire and Sorrentino. I'm not good with names. Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino, who did Gideon Falls together, which I enjoyed. The reason I stopped on this one is Free Comic Book Day, there was a book out that introduced this concept. So it was called The Bone Orchard Mythos Prelude. And I don't really, I don't really utilize my uh, free comic book days books. I often skip them. I don't know why I get them, honestly. But this one I, I, I picked up and I read. And uh, it's an interesting concept of a brand new shared horror mythology. So they're doing like a shared universe with kind of a horror background. And this, I believe, is the first series. There was something else that came out in June called The Passageway. But I think that was uh, either a one-shot or a graphic novel. I'm not clear. I'm not clear on this being a ongoing or a limited series either, but from the solicit we have Trish and Jackie are best friends and avid gamers, but when the line between reality and their fantasy world is blurred by an evil darkness, can they be the heroes of their own story? 10,000 Black Feathers is the newest entry into the Bone 
Orchard Mythos from Lemire and Sorrentino, the universe will feature self-contained graphic novels and limited series about the horrors waiting to be discovered within the Bone Orchard. So this may be a limited series, although it just says series premiere at the top and it doesn't tell me, I don't see it at least, anywhere where it says numbers, one of however many. So unclear how, how long this book is planned to run. Of course, there's multiple covers here. I'm not sure what's going to be the premium ones. I do like the Christian Ward cover and I'll probably go with that cover B. Anyway, I plan to check this out. If uh, a shared horror universe sounds like an interesting concept and you like those creators, maybe this is a book for you. I'm going to check it out. I hope you do too. Hey, this is James back with another pick. And this time I'm on page 40, where we get a new series from Image Comics. And this one's written by Donnie Cates. And the artist is J.P. Meyer, Sonia O'Black, John J. Hill. So I guess there's three artists on this. Not sure why, because it's only $3.99. So I don't know why they have three different artists, but who knows? Whatever. We'll roll with it. I can't tell you what this one's about because it's a new number one. But So I'm going to read you the solicit. And if it sounds like something you'd enjoy, definitely pick it up. It looks, based on the cover art, like something I enjoy. But here's the solicit. From Donnie Cates, the writer of God Country, Hulk, and Thor, which I enjoyed all three of those. Excellent. And now it says Ryan Stegman. That's weird. It has him as the art and cover art, but it also has all those other artists listed. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's Ryan Stegman. Venom, King and Black, and J.P. Meyer, Absolute Carnage, Sonya O'Block, Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows, Han Solo, and John J. Hill, Crossover, and Harley Quinn. The all-star creative team that brought you Venom comes an all-new take on the classic Heroes Quest. So it's a Heroes Quest. Oliver Harrison was a mythical hero who slayed the greatest threat to his realm before even hitting puberty. So as a young kid, took out the, the greatest threat. But that was then. As an adult, Oliver leads an average cookie-cutter suburban life aside from the fact that he's mentally unstable, massively paranoid, smokes like a chimney, and gets blackout drunk every night to hide from his horrific nightmares. Sounds wonderful. I guess he got scarred as a child doing that. Okay, will the arrival of a superhero team called The Prestige prove the madness isn't all in Oliver's head? And what about all this epic fantasy crap from his childhood? Uh, Join us for a brutal-as-hell tale of magical worlds, gifted youth, evil sorcerers, superheroes, war, blood, guts, and death that punches you right in the face. Uh, So if that sounds like something you'd enjoy, check this one out. Now, they do give you on the digital previews and the catalog, too. They'll probably show it to you. Some of the sample art, and I'm flipping through it right now. And the sample art looks fantastic in here. So I'm like, man, the art's great. The writer's great. I trust this creative team. So I'm definitely on board for this. It sounds right up my alley. Comes out September 21st, $3.99. Definitely one I'm going to be picking up. And on to my next pick. Dr. Mo here with an image pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Vanish number one. So... Donnie Cates and his Venom collaborator, Ryan Stegman, are finally bringing their Substack series, Vanish, over to Image Comics. Stegman and Cates have been hyping the series for a while. I remember seeing some preview pages for this title that was published around the time that their Substack deal was announced, but really I didn't have a lot of context for it until until now. And essentially the solicitation reads, we're getting this amalgamation of dark fantasy and superheroics 
So probably think along the lines of Venom, and Venom is something that was mentioned in the solicitation text. No brainer why they would mention Venom. The pair had a well-received run on Venom while they were at Marvel. I will say that Donny Cates, for me, is, you know, it really depends on the project, whether or not I'm interested. I, I will state up front, I was not overly interested in his Venom run, but I'm not a Venom person. And, and I don't take anything away from folks who really love Venom. Now, I've read a few issues of his Venom run, and I thought they were really good issues, especially the ones that were drawn by Stegman. They are a killer team. I'm coming through this as a fan of Donny Cates' work on Guardians of the Galaxy, his Thanos work, his work with his other image title Crossover, which is really insane. And if there, if there's a fraction of the energy that Cates and Stagnan have uh, in this series, I think it will be really, really popular. Really looking forward to this title. Uh, I'm glad that Image is putting out some more quasi-superhero titles. Again, this is based on the solicitation text, based on the preview art that's been released. It's going to be more towards the dark fantasy realm of things, and I'm perfectly fine with that. Vanish, number one, can be found in the previews catalog under the image section on page 40 and costs $3.99. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, which I technically do not have in front of me, so I'm looking at the order form, and I hope this is correct. It's on page 61, the image comic section, Ascender, the deluxe edition hardcover, and this course collects the entire Ascender series that was written by Jeff Lemire with artist Dustin Nguyen. And it's an advanced solicit. This is due out November 23rd, it looks like. 456 pages for $49.99. Image really does a good job with these deluxe edition hardcover collections. And so I put my uh, faith that this will be put together well and, and will hold up over time. And here's what they have to say about the series as a whole. The complete Eisner Award-winning space fantasy epic from writer Jeff Lemire, Gideon Falls, Sweet Tooth, and artist Dustin Nguyen, Descender, Little Monsters, collected in a deluxe edition hardcover. Ten years after the conclusion of Descender, magic has taken the place of machinery, and the rules of the universe are very different. Andy and Effie's daughter Mila spends her days exploring the lonely wilds of the planet Samson and trying to stay out of the clutches of the all-powerful vampire witch known only as Mother. But like her parents, Mila doesn't like to play by the rules, and when a certain robot pal of her dad shows up, nothing will ever be the same. Lemire and Wynne reunite to take readers on an unforgettable, fan of, unforgettable fantasy quest with all the scope and heart of the sci-fi classic Descender. Collects Ascender, numbers 1 through 18. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog in the image section. It's on page 62. Copra, Master Collection, Book 1, Hardcover. Writer and artist on this property is Michelle Fife, and he's been doing this comic series now going back 10 years. 
originally self-publishing and selling, probably like through conventions and things like that, but I came across several issues years ago on his Etsy page, and uh, now he's moved all the way up to publishing through Image Comics, and it says uh, this is uh, collecting Copra numbers 1 through 12, and a little bit of an oversized trim size. So we get a big collection here uh, to celebrate the 10th anniversary. And for those who are unfamiliar with what the property is, basically it's sort of a Ostrander Suicide Squad type of a story. And just really bonkers art. He's got his own definitely unique style. So again, sort of a knockoff or throwback to a, a different style of comics. And if it's something that you have never picked up, this is a good chance to get the first 12 issues in a nice collection. And hopefully they are planning on releasing future volumes coming up. What's up, guys? X-Men Patrick here, and I'm on the image section. We're looking at page 64 at The Mighty Trade Paperback. I'll read all this first, and then I'll give you a little history of what I read. All right, so writers Peter J. Tomasi and Keith Champagne, artists Chris Samney and Peter Snegsberg, yeah, that's a big Snegsberg, cover David Johnson. September 28th, 336 pages, full color, mature readers, twenty four ninety nine. Which isn't a bad price, and then you can get discounts at Deep Discount Comics, which is pretty much where a lot of people from the Slack channel get it, and DCBS, I guess, if you wanted to. Collects the Mighty number 1 through 12 and more. As the, only, as the world's only superhero, Alpha 1 is a symbol of hope for all mankind, but at what price? While the population is inspired from the distance by their savior, police captain Gabriel Cole gets a close enough to discover the mystery behind Alpha 1's public origin. And that his twist plan, and that his twisted plans to create a utopia and more dangerous than anyone could ever dreamed. It's a new edition of the Mighty collects all twelve issues of the acclaimed series plus three rare eight-page stories and a treasure trove of behind-the-scenes sketches and scripts from Peter J. Tomasi and Peter and all these other guys. Put a new cover. I'm just reading to make sure there was nothing else. All right, good. There was nothing else. I remember. So I accidentally stumbled across this when i was reading uh, my comic book news and on games radar which is now news around was news around announced on games radar the mighty gets a new home at image comics the story of what if the world's only and most powerful superhero was a bad dude and returns a new publishing and home september so this was published in dark horse and then they gathered it all up and pr- produced a, a collected volume in 2014 and it didn't sell a lot so this is in here. I read this already. So they're pretty much saying like it's what if uh, Superman wasn't a very good person, which we've all seen. We've all read books like this. But this one looks pretty cool. And I like Peter J. Tomasi's writing. So I'm going to get it. I'm going to try this one out. And I hope you guys do too. Share it on the Slack. Let me know what you guys think. All right. On to the next pick. Hey, this is James back with another pick, and this time I'm in the Boom section. And there's a new comic coming out from Boom on page 90. It is called Briar. And I was like, what, Briar? What the heck is that? Cover art looked kind of cool. But it's written by Christopher Cantwell. He's a pretty good writer. He's been doing a great job writing some stuff over at Marvel I've been enjoying. And the artist is German Garcia. Okay, and the, the spin on this is, what if Sleeping Beauty never got her ha- happily ever after and instead had to save herself? Set in the brutal fantasy world that time forgot, this isn't the fairy tale you know. 
So it's Eisner Award women nominated writer, producer, and director Christopher Cantwell. He's been doing Iron Man, United States of Captain America, Halt and Catch Fire, which I did love that show. And rising artist German Garcia, who did Kazar, Lord of the Savage Land. All right, cool, cool. All right, I, I did read that. Reimagine the classic tale as an epic dark fantasy. Sounds like it could be cool. Not, you know, basically a spin on uh, Sleeping Beauty. So if this sounds like something you'd want to do, it sounds like a, like a fables type thing, it might be pretty good. I'm going to pick it up and check it out. On to my next pick. My first pick is on page 98, and it is Mighty Morphin Power Rangers issue 100. Now, what's interesting about this is, well, there had been two titles, Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers, but these storylines are kind of dovetailing into this issue, which is a pivotal issue, they claim, and it's the final issue by Ryan Parrott, so we're going to get a new creative team. I was going to say next issue, but I don't know if it's going to be a new title or what's going on. Anyways, Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers... Those two storylines are are flowing together for here. It's celebrating a hundred issues of Power Ranger comics by Boom Studios, and there's a lot to be said for this. Well, this property's been around literally for decades. Until Boom got a hold of it, it really hadn't had much success in comics. Now, this is a $9.99 comic. It is 48 pages, so I think we're getting kind of the full content of what would have been Whatever issue it would have been of Mighty Morphin, whatever issue it would have been of Power Rangers, I've, I've honestly, I've lost count. But they've got a ton of creators on this, so I'm looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. They've been doing some good stuff with the Power Rangers comic, and I'm looking forward to both what they do here and where they go next. So, once again, that's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 100 on page 98 of the previews catalog. Dr. Mo here with a Dark Horse pick for the preview spotlight episode. It's Masquerade number one. So Kevin Smith's new secret stash press imprint kicks things off with a tale of a social media and TV sensation who has decided to get revenge on the folks who have killed her younger brother. You know, it's pretty much a classic superhero setup. You know, we're just throwing in the social media elements just to kind of keep things timely. And co-writing this series with Kevin Smith is screenwriter Andy McElfresh. Now, I'm not familiar with McElfresh, but I am familiar with Kevin Smith's work in comic books. He he worked on a run of Green Arrow. He worked on some Daredevil, uh, a number of Batman miniseries over the years, one of which is, I believe, has the story arc has not been completed. Uh, but, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that, that one go. When Kevin Smith delivers in the comic book realm, it really works for me. And and I'm, I'm I'm assuming that part of that is because of his experience working in television and film and so forth and always incorporating comic book and pop culture into his film and television work that you know this will be right up his alley along with the celebrity lifestyle. John 
Sprengelmeyer, and, and please forgive me if I'm pronouncing this uh, individual's name incorrectly, is providing the artwork, which has a very cartoony, and I don't mean that in the sense of an animated series, but the facial features, some of the posing based on uh, the cover and, and some other things, very much reminds me of comic strip artwork in a very good way. And in fact, I did a little bit of digging and this individual, the artist, Sprinkle Meyer, has worked on a comic strip, uh, I believe it's called Rib Man. And, and I just feel this connection with the energy that's there. And I'm, I, I, based on, you know, what Smith has done, you know, he seems to find these artists who are not overly known typically to mainstream comic book fans, but is able to place them on a title that works to their strengths. And again, I go back to Green Arrow. Obviously, Daredevil, you know, was, was a little bit of di different, but his Batman stuff in particular, I, I believe the artist working with him, I was certainly wasn't on my radar beforehand, but I think that that artist has really been doing a good job when that book comes out, <laughs> when those various minis come out. But anyway, back to Masquerade. I also appreciate that Dark Horse is giving Smith a chance to create his own little imprint, his own little label. It seems to be that's the route Dark Horse is going by bringing in these creators with a bit of a following like they did with Bendis, like they did with Jeff Lemire, letting them create their own little universes, their own little lines and kind of running rampant, which is something that Dark Horse needs to do to build up its library, especially in recent years, since it has lost a number of its licensed properties. So I, I'm certainly here for it. It fits right. Uh, well, again, based on the solicitation text, it does, you know, scratch that itch for me. Big superhero fan, you know, we, this vigilante type character. I'm here to see where it goes. Masquerade, number one, can be found on page 118 of the previews catalog and costs $3.99. Hey, this is James back with another pick. This time I'm in the Dynamite section on page 171. Now, I've cut back a lot of my Dynamite comics. I, I did a monthly spotlight where I was talking with John, and I, I, I canceled a ton of stuff. I think I'm only getting like maybe one, maybe two comics from Dynamite, and I was getting quite a few. Just because I've been unhappy with the creative teams they put together, they're just strip mining the properties, and it's all bad girls. And I'm like, I don't mind bad girls if it's written well, but if it's not written well, what's the point? <laughs> no, that's kind of funny because I'm taking you to my next comic. Okay, over on page uh, 171, it does look kind of bad, girl, but what's funny is I already own this in hardcover. This is Karma Hardcover. It is written by Dan Wickline, artist Carlos Reno. Uh, Reno. Now, when I, oh, by the way, the cover artist, the thing that got me to back this Kickstarter, yes, I backed it as a Kickstarter, was Step and Sage. He's the cover artist, so it's beautiful, beautiful cover. 
and it seemed like something up my alley. It's 35 bucks. It doesn't tell me how many pages here. Um, like I said, I already own it. I got the pre-order, so uh, I got the Kickstarter of this. But I'm going to read you what it's about and the reason why I backed it. I've, been, I, I've stopped backing Kickstarters, and it's nothing to do with the creative teams. I, I haven't gotten burned as far as not getting my stuff. Brawlinator ran an excellent Kickstarter. and You know, I'm, I may back a Kickstarter for, like, a friend, you know, or someone I know on the Slack channel. I don't mind that. But, like, you know, I backed this thing, and I didn't realize at the time I was backing it, it's a dynamite book. I'm like, why am I paying full freight? to back a book that they're gonna I could have bought for a discount. What's the point of doing this? And then you know, by the time you back it, you're waiting months and months and months and sometimes up to a year to get the stuff. I forgot it was even coming. I just got this book in the mail. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> but this one, it says Alex is a photographer for an ad agency who leads a fairly quiet and reserved life. He gets a call one day from a friend asking to fill in on a photo shoot in the valley. The swimwear shoot is on a, is on a set where he has a chance encounter with karma. One of the lead models, Karma is a fiercely independent woman who is working on being more than a star, but a brand. And Alex, she sees someone new to her world, unjaded by it, someone with a fresh eye. And she thinks it could be fun opening to his mind to new adventures. So I read that. I saw the art. I was like, this seems like something I would enjoy. So I, I backed it. It's coming out September 7th. It's 35 bucks or hardcover. But if you order it from Deep Discount Comics from Eric, He'll probably give you, I don't know what the Dynamite discount is, 35-40% off. And I wish I would have gotten that 35-40% off because I paid full freight. <laughs> Plus shipping. On to my next pick. This is Nick with a pick from the Ablaze section of the main previews catalog on page 204. This is The Boogeyman number one. Another title we've got here for Horror Month. Getting ready for Halloween. This comic will be 32 pages, $3.99. And, of course, our main focus here is on everybody's favorite scary creature, the Boogeyman. The writer is Matthew Salvia, and artist is Jet, D-J-E-T. Monsters don't only exist in children's imaginations, dot dot dot. Passionate about reading, Elliot has always been drawn to the stories of Boogeyman, those monstrous creatures which, at night, hide in the shadows or under the bed to frighten little children. He can't imagine how much they will change his life. Witnessing the bloody murder of his parents, he will discover that boogeymen do indeed exist, and very precise codes govern their existence. When one of the most powerful boogeymen, Father Death, decides to protect him, Elliot finds himself plunged into a terrible conflict at the heart of a universe as terrifying as it is fascinating. On a dark, stormy night, Elliot's destiny will be fulfilled. Matthew, Salvia, and Jet reinvent a whole mythology of childhood in a tender horror story and an initiatory journey of mourning and the acceptance of fear. So, really sounds like they're biting off a lot here, but the little sample preview art, just half of a page that you can see there, looks really interesting. Oh, I'm sorry, there's actually a couple of pages you can see. Looks fairly interesting, kind of whimsical, which I think fits the topic here, you know, sort of exploring the mythology of boogeymen. So I think I'm going to check this one out, and I think you should too. Billy Hogan again. My next pick is in the back half of previews on page 216 from Abstract Studios with Parker Girls number two. The writer, cover, and story artist is Terry Moore. 
Once you're in, there's only one way out of the Parker girls. So when Tamby calls, Kachu has no choice but to go back to work, using her special talents to help bring down a billionaire's empire, one scandal at a time. Don't miss this exciting new series from the creator of Strangers in Paradise, scheduled to be in shops on September 28th for the cover price of $3.99. Kachu has a particular set of skills that should strike fear into anyone who crosses her. And if anyone gets on Kachu's bad side, they probably deserve what's coming to them. Not only is creator Terry Moore an excellent artist, he is a great storyteller. He knows how to plot a story, build character, and provide plot twists at the right time to create an excellent story. And that's why he's always on the short list of comic book creators that I will get every project that they are involved in. Hey, this is James back with another pick. And this time I'm on page 240 in the previews catalog in the back half. And I'm in American mythology where there's a comic that one of our Slack members was a an editor on, or I, I think he was the editor. <laughs> But that's Brawlinator. It is Florida Man number three. So the third issue is coming out. I neglected to do a preview spotlight clip on the first and second one. So I figured I'd hit the third one. This is coming out September 28th for $3.99. The writer is Mike Barron. The artist is Marcelo Salaza. Salaza? Okay. Florida Man is... Uh, I backed the Kickstarter. It, it, he, he's a psycho Florida man. I'm from Florida. I've seen many of these men down here. No, they're, they're, there's a lot of nutty people all over, but especially in Florida, it seems like we got a toxic mix of people down here. <laughs> Just weird stuff. But it says, uh, after her assault on deputies with a martial aid goes viral, uh, Gary Get Gary's gal, Crystal, is thrust into a new career as a wrestler. Now she faces a greater foe than any drunk grizzly on Australian grappler named Rock Lobster. Will Gary's latest get-rich scheme bring him fame and fortune or land Gary back in jail? And whatever happened with his pal, pal Patrice, the transgender sex worker. <laughs> uh, Florida Man's outrageous, scandalous, and hilarious adventures continue in this new hit comedy comic from Eisner winner Mike Barron. So it has two covers, by the way. But, uh, you know, Brawlinator, he did put a lot of work into this. So if you're a friend with Brawlinator, uh, a member in our Slack channel and on our forums, or if you just want something zany, get Florida Man, and if you missed the first two, hit up Brawlinator. He could probably get you the other two copies. I wouldn't doubt. I wouldn't be surprised. And on to my next pick. Hey guys, it's Brawlinator, and I've got my last pick this month. I'm on page 240 in the American Mythology section. I, obviously, I can't let Florida Man go. This is the third and final issue of this limited series with American Mythology. It's a roller coaster, lighthearted, fun series. It is for grown-ups. It's not, you know, rated R, but it's PG-13 for sure. In this one, Gary, who is our Florida Man, his gal Crystal. Uh, gets thrust into a brand new career as a lady wrestler after a um, assault on deputies with one of her marital aides goes viral. You'll have to read issue two to know what I'm talking about. But now she's a lady wrestler uh, facing off against an Australian grappler named Rock Lobster. So it's lady wrestling uh, in this one and uh, Gary's latest get rich scheme. And some of his bad deeds do catch up with him in this one, but it's all outrageous, scandalous, and hilarious. 
And uh, I got to thank everybody too. We, I know a lot of you guys and gals uh, ordered Florida Man Number One, and man, we became one of American Mythology's biggest sellers uh, in the last few years. So I'm really humbled. I want to thank you tremendously. Uh, I hope you'll pick up issue two. It's still available for final order cutoff. Um, we've got another fun final order cutoff cover for that. Uh, we've got a fun one for this cover too, a final order cutoff uh, from Josh Howard of Crystal in her um, lady wrestling gear, which I think is just, it's beautiful. But uh, Mike's favorite cover is the cover A from Joe Comstock. Some of you guys may know Joe Comstock. He's had a pretty illustrious career in comics. Cover B, which I, I presume that James is going to really like. It's my favorite of the whole series. Um, it's from Matthew Weldon. Mm, it's, it's a little bit of cheesecake there. Uh, but again, final order cut off for number issue two is August 1st. If you haven't ordered it yet, you still be in luck. Hopefully you guys will pick this up, complete the series. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. This means a whole lot to me. And that's it for me this month. I've been a little long winded. I do want to thank John Mayo so much for this podcast, for this community, for the Slack channel, for the forums and the website. Uh, without John, this community uh, wouldn't even be. And I love John's passion uh, for the medium that he continues to produce a quality podcast and also provides all these provisions for us to keep this community going. I encourage everybody to listen to the podcast and join us on the Slack channel. It is a great community and um, I'm just happy and proud to be a part of it. Thanks once again. Hope everyone has a fantastic summer. We'll see you on the Slack channel in the funny pages and next month on previews. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, page 247. In the Archie section, it's Chilling Adventures Presents Weirder Mysteries Number 1. This is listed as a one-shot, so just one of one. 32 pages, $3.99. And uh, it says here we've got a script by Frank Thierry, Joanne Starr, and Ron Robbins, with art by Federico Sabatani, Juan Bobilo, and Ryan Jampol. And a lot of creators here because this is an anthology of sorts. It says Riverdale is known to be a hotbed of strange happenings and paranormal activity. Always has been and always will be. Take a look as a few extra special case files are opened that highlight the weird occurrences that happen in a small, quiet town in a one-shot anthology that's equal parts the X-Files and Black Mirror. I'm curious about this. And I wish that there was something a little more ongoing and a little more regular coming out of Archie right now, but I always take a peek and see what they've got coming up, and this sounds interesting. I think this is all new material. I don't think this is, you know, like some past thing. So I'm checking it out. It's only $3.99, just a one-shot. It says out in store September 21st. Hey, this is James back with another pick, and this time I'm in the AWA section artists, writers, and artisans. And they have a couple of new books coming out. Uh, one of them is called Jin, G-I-N-N, which I'm probably going to be picking up. But the one that I wanted to point out is called Erratic Recharge, number one. Okay, the writer is Kari Andrews. The artist is Kari Andrews. Kari Andrews is a good writer. What I would say is this is kind of his take on Spider-Man, his own version of Spider-Man. And so he's had one other miniseries that came out before. You can pick it up in a trade from AWA, but this is the second volume of it, and, and John and I did a back issue spotlight on Erratic. So anyways, I, I definitely pointed out on the Slack recently, Slack channel, to 
John that the second series is coming out because I think he missed the first series the first go round. Okay, but this one, the solicit says, recharge, complete the teenage hero with superpowers that only work for 10 minutes. That's the catch. It only works for 10 minutes a day. It's back to save the world again as he navigates even more pressing perils. Young love, bullies, a broken family, and the gauntlet that is high school. This time, young Oliver Leaf is teamed with a barbarian princess who claims to be from another dimension. Sounds like female Conan. Spinning from the pages of The Resistance, Erratic combines electric action, teen drama, and pure comics fun. This has definitely got a total Spider-Man vibe, so if you're into Spider-Man, pick it up. If you didn't read the first series, pick up the trade. It's being resolicited in here, and enjoy it. It's it's actually, AWA has some good stuff. Not everything's the best, but it's pretty darn good, and from a small independent publisher, so two thumbs up. On to my next pick. My next pick is on page 280s of the previews catalog. It is also over in the next phase catalog, which doesn't have page numbers, so we're just going to go with it over in the previews. It is Saga of a Doomed Universe number one. This is by CEX Publishing, and it's a three-issue limited series, 56 pages each, price tag of $8.99, which is a bit steep. And I'll be honest... I was intrigued as much by the concept as by some of the variant covers. This is basically a 1980s style event with their own universe, and I'm I'm not sure how I'm not sure what the tone and style is going to be. Looking at the sample pages in the next phase, honestly, it's looking a little snarky in places. But they've got a cover E, and all these covers are at the the same 8.99 cover price, so sure as heck not going to double dip. But cover E is in the style of the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. Cover F is in the style of Who's Who. Cover D is in the style of the Faces trade dress that Marvel did at some point in the 80s. Cover C, and I know I'm going through this backwards, but deal with it. Cover C is in the style of Watchmen, is in the style of almost it really It looks like one of the covers from Secret Wars. So I'm curious about this. I haven't decided which cover I'm going to get. Probably E, just because I think it's a better one than uh, the the Marvel Handbook one's a better one than the Who's Who one. Anyways, the concept was enough to catch my interest. Eight ninety nine though, even for three issues, that's that's a little steep. But I'm going to give it a try. I just haven't decided if it's going to work for me or not. They are saying it's triple sized, so it sounds like the fifty six pages is story pages, which isn't quite triple. Uh, 20-page comic, but it's close enough that hopefully we'll get our money's worth, and hopefully it'll have some some good content and be enjoyable. Anyways, this was something as I was flipping through the catalogs. Looked interesting, and I'm gonna, gonna take a try on and see if it works for me or not. Once again, that's Saga of a Doomed Universe number one on page 280 of the previews catalog. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, this time from page 299 by a publisher called Flesk, F-L-E-S-K, Publications. And uh, I'm not familiar with them in general, but it looks like they may produce some of these art art books periodically. And I am calling out specifically Franklin Booth, Silent Symphony, Softcover. The writer here is Alice A. Carter, with the art featured, of course, by Franklin Booth. Now, I'm a big fan of pen and ink style art, regardless of comic books, 
posters, whatever. And and this book caught my attention based on uh, some of the preview art that I've seen of it before. And it says, uh, Franklin Booth, Silent Symphony is a massive 304-page book featuring over 400 pieces that span the artist's entire career, accompanying photos of Franklin Booth. And it uh, mentions there he was uh, alive from 1874 to 1948. His family, his friends and colleagues, along with illustrations by his peers and illustrations and inspirations, add nearly 50 more images. A new essay by the award-winning illustrator and professor Alice A. Carter delves into Booth's life. This biography highlights his childhood in Indiana, family life, and the earliest days of his professional career, his road trips, studio life, and teaching career with intimate stories and much more. So, again, this is definitely just for people who are into art and illustration type things, but definitely do check, you know, do just a Google search for Franklin Booth and see what his art looks like, and that might let you know if you might also be interested in a book featuring that art and about his life. And I don't know if I mentioned, but it is $49.95, softcover, of course, 304 pages, trim size is 9 by 12. My next pick is on page 325 of the Previews Catalog. It is Star Trek 400. IDW is celebrating 400 issues of Star Trek comics across all of their various titles and branches of the franchise of Star Trek and whatnot. Overall, I think they've been doing a great job on all of this. So I think seeing them kind of celebrate, you know, 400 issues of of Star Trek comics through IDW should be a lot of fun. Now, this is a $7.99 comic. It is 68 pages. Hopefully, most of those are story pages. We're going to get a little of Lieutenant Detmer from Discovery. I think we're going to get a little bit from the Kelvin timeline. I think we're even going to get a Next Generation story told by Will Wheaton and probably some other stories as well. Looks like a lot of fun. Again, I think IDW has been a very good caretaker of the Star Trek franchise in the comic arena, and I'm looking forward to what they do here. So, once again, that's Star Trek number 400 on page 325 of the Previews Catalog. Billy Hogan again. My final pick in this month's previews is in the IDW section on page 328 with Usagi Ujimbo number 31. The writer, cover, and story artist is Stan Sakai. With the Komori Bat Ninja Clan behind them, Usagi Yukichi and Chizu flee over the snow-covered pass. They have to cross a frozen lake, but their position in the open on such a slippery surface makes them easy prey for the bats. And the ice is not completely frozen. Also, Yukichi learns a valuable lesson. You can't trust a ninja. This issue is scheduled to be in shops on September 21st, for the cover price of three ninety nine. If you know someone who is not interested in superhero comics, I would recommend that you show them Usagi Ujimbo because through a fictional story, Stan Sakai opens a window to Japanese history, culture, folklore through the storytelling device of anthropomorphic animals. 
Thank you, John, for providing this forum so that we can all share our enthusiasm for the comic book industry. And I want to thank everyone else for providing clips. And I look forward to listening to what everyone else is getting in this month's previews. And let's always remember to take care of each other. My next pick is on page 335 of the previews catalog. And it is a title that technically I dropped, I don't know, close to 120 issues ago. But I've I've been keeping an eye out for this particular issue, figuring I would give it another chance here. Because I'm not really part of the target audience, but it's not a bad title at all. It's Nights at the Dinner Table, and it's issue 300. So yeah, a lot of what I'm picking this time is anniversary issues, because, well, it just kind of happened. But honestly, I have been waiting for issue 300 and Nights at the Dinner Table, figuring that would be as good of an issue as any to kind of sample the title again. Now, this is 64 pages, it's black and white, it's $6.99. If you are a tabletop role-playing game player, this is something you ought to consider. When I read it last, which is around issue 181 or something, and I'd been getting it for a while at that point, it had tons of articles, reviews on games, as well as... It's really somewhere between a comic strip and a comic book style story about a bunch of gamers and the games they're playing. It is definitely comic book length and then some, it felt like, but it's comic strip style art and whatnot. It's it's an interesting blend. Plus, at the time, they had other, you know, couple of page comic stories or whatnot in there. So in terms of bang for your buck, you get a ton of value out of this. And the only reason I stopped getting it is I'm not that much of a gamer. It has been decades since I've played a role-playing game, or and I was really never much into a lot of the other, you know, kind of fantasy board games and stuff like that. But if you're into that kind of gaming, like I said, this is a, a really good return on investment in terms of entertaining story content and reviews and other things about kind of the gaming lifestyle. So I do recommend it, even if it's not necessarily for me. But like I said... It's an anniversary issue. I figured I'd give it a shot, see where the title's at and what's going on. So once again, that's Knights of the Dinner Table, number 300, on page 335 of the Previews Catalog. Hey, this is James back with another pick. This time I'm in the Rebellion 2080 section. And I think I, uh, based on the order form, it looks like it's on page 366. The thing that was coming out, it's been solicited a couple times and been canceled a couple times, but this time supposedly it's really going to happen, and it may be something I want to read, and that is the best of 2000 AD. It's a trade pack, paperback, one of six, so there's going to be six of these, and it's going to be the best stuff that's come out from 2000 AD. 2000 AD is probably most famous for their Judge Dredd stuff. They have a lot of other series, too, in 2000 AD, the, the, the uh, magazine still Believe it or not, it's still coming out. But this one, it says, um, the Ultimate 2080 mixtape has finally arrived. Best of 2080 is a landmark series from the cult comic bursting with our greatest stories for a new generation of readers. In each edition, you'll find an explosive new Judge Dredd adventure. That's what I love, Judge Dredd. Fresh essays by prominent popular culture writers. Eh, all right. Uh, that that kind of turns me off. A graphic novel uh, length feature presentation by Global Legends and Vintage Dredge Case. All right, so it's Dredge focused. I will enjoy that. And this volume, Judge Dredge Battles, 
Beauty Block Anarchy, Halo Jones Escapes and Alan Moore's First Masterpiece, Humanity is on the Brink, and the Space Murder Mystery from Dan Abnett and Inj Colbert, I-N-J Colbert, and Judge Anderson takes center stage in the search for Shambhala. Anthology, I'm torn, but I'm probably going to pick it up. There's only six of them. It's 23 bucks, but it's going to be a big chunk of material. It doesn't give you the page count on the digital previews, unfortunately. But if it sounds like something you'd want to check out, see what the best of 2080 is over the past however many years it's been, definitely pick this one up. On to my next pick. What's up, guys? Axman Patrick, and I'm in the way back of the book. I'm on page, I guess you would call it 396. It's on 397 also. Gun Honey, number two of four. Blood for Blood. It's Charles RDI. I think I may have, maybe the way you say his name. Angkor Ken is the artist. Full color, 32 pages, $3.99. On sale, September 21st, 2022. 2001's best-selling non-premiere comic is back for Blockbuster New Series. With le- with weapons expert Joanna Tan, the legendary gun honey off the grid, recuperating from her last job, a vengeful rival takes her place and frames Joanna for murder. On the run from Malaysia to Milan, can Joanna catch up to her ruthless enemy, or will she catch a bullet first? Gun Honey number one. I know John and James did a preview spotlight or issue. Uh, yeah, they reviewed the book. They all liked it. A little raunchy here and there. I understand. Really good book. I enjoyed it. This is number two or four. You can probably still get number one on like an FOC or something. Hit up Eric from Cowabunga Comics, Deep Discount Comics. He could probably get you a number one of this. You probably also get your trade of Gun Honey number one, which I don't know if it came out or not. I'm looking at these covers. Uh, there's not really one I'd really like to own because I try not to get raunchy covers because I have kids and I don't really like reading that kind of stuff. But if I had to get a cover, I guess it would have to be A or B. Uh, definitely not D. Um, but uh, definitely pick this up. This is a fun read. It was pretty cool. It's like James said in his review. It's the honey trap. You know, it's the cute girl that catches you. Only this is a woman who smuggles guns where she can't get them and gives them to whoever the highest bidder is and he takes care of her from there. So she is an accessory to murder, but not a murderer. Uh, really good book. Check it out on the next pick. This is Nick with a pick from the main previews catalog, this time from page 409 in the back section. This is a publisher called Uncharted Wilderness Studios, and it is Rougarou One-Shot. And I'm highlighting this one specifically because this kind of plays back to a little bit of my uh, uh, Louisiana heritage with the talk about the Rougarou, and it caught my eye when I was scrolling through the catalog. And this is an advance of Horror Month. So we've got a anticipation here of uh, the spooky time of year coming up in the fall. The writer is Giles Clark. The artist is Jose Rondon. And ordinarily, I'm a little skeptical of these types of things from people that I've never heard of. But looking it up online, you can see where they've been selling this at probably like conventions and things. So you can see some of the preview art, and it looks pretty decent. And I'm going to read the solicitation listed there on our website because it's got just a little bit more than what's condensed here in the catalog. But I will say it's 28 pages for $3.99. And here's how it's advertised on their site. Rougarou, Colorado Territory, 1868. A young girl is brutally attacked by a mysterious creature. Not a man, not a beast, something else. As she lays dying, 
The next morning, U.S. Marshal Ira Segwick arrives and recounts the tale of Ezekiel, his brother-in-arms during the Civil War, now cursed by voodoo to roam the earth as an insatiable rougarou. Now Ira's quest and Ezekiel's path of terror will lead them to a standoff that no one could have predicted. Hey, this is James back with my final pick. And my final pick is going to be at the very end of the catalog. And I'm in the manga section. And I'm over in Kodansha. There's a couple things from Kodansha that I'm going to be getting. Like Leap Near, Volume 12. Thank you, Eric from Kawabunga, for getting me onto that series. It's pretty cool. But the one that I'm going to focus on is Attack on Titan, Colossal Edition, the seventh and final volume. Okay, so this one, it's an oversized collection collecting volumes 31 through 34 of Attack on Titan. It's weighing in at over 900 pages. It's 7 inches by 10 and a half inches. So these things are literally like the size of Omnibus. And I love it. I read the first six volumes. I picked them all up in one shot from Eric, read them, and was so disappointed to find out that I had to wait till September 28th. I finished these books back in probably like, I think it was February, reading them, to get the end of the story. And not only that, my wife and I decided to sign up for Crunchyroll to watch the anime, which I'm not the biggest fan of anime, but I'm like, okay, we'll watch it because I want to see the end of the story. No, they stopped the whole anime to wait for the, the book to finalize in English. So that's on pause too, with no ending in sight for me. Once this comes out, then the anime will finish, so I'll have the ending both in anime and in manga. <laughs> Attack on Titan is a terrific series. It's a page-turner. It's a mystery book. It's uh, a fight book. It's a uh, there's all kinds of stuff going on, and there's an entire world and mythos. And you're following around Aaron, who is the uh, the lead, the protagonist, and his family, and stuff that's happening with politics in the world, and why are these titans attacking these people who lived in a walled city, and what is beyond these walls? What's beyond this island where these people live? I'm not going to spoil it, but I will tell you, if you have not read manga before, this is an excellent one to pick up and read. The You can pick up all seven Colossal Editions. They're 900 pages each, so they're, they're big, but they read really quick. They don't take that long to read. It's 50 bucks, but you get 40% off from Eric over at Calabunga, uh, maybe 35% off. So you get a huge discount, and it's definitely worth it. The art in this is better than most manga. Some manga, they don't put a lot of detail into the backgrounds. These, I think he did. He he went above and beyond. And this is Isayama Hajime, who wrote and drew the entire thing. That's insanity. He's, his whole life's work is here in this, this big tome. And kudos to him because it's sold so many tens of millions of volumes. I wouldn't even be surprised if it's 100 million volumes. volumes that he is, uh, He's doing very well. But definitely pick this one up. I highly recommend it. I would say it's my second favorite manga. My, my my favorite one up until now was a new one that's coming out, Alice in Borderland, which I just received volume two today in my shipment from Deep Discount Comics. But I'm so happy this is coming out. It's the final volume. I'm going to get this the end. It's high quality paper. It's beautiful. Pick it up. Can't recommend it enough. And on to my next pick. Well, oh, I take that back. There are no picks. That was my last pick. I wanted to thank John for doing all the editing, behind-the-scenes work, and hosting this stuff, paying for the website to host this, and you know, posting the podcast and doing everything he does. And thank you to all of the forum and Slack 
members and listeners out there who do send in clips. The more you participate, the more fun this group is. So I do appreciate each and every one of you that does do that. So until next month, have a good one, guys. I'm out of here. I'm going on a cruise. So that's why I sent these in early. (laughs) Take care. Bye. What's up, guys? X-Men Patrick. And this is probably the last recording because I think I'm on literally the last page. We are looking at page 476 back in previews. Yes, page 476. It's a manga section. We're looking at Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, the beginning number one. Resident Evil is one of my favorite games I played on PlayStation 2, PlayStation 1 area, so like the 90s. And they have an anime, so why not check it out? So the writer is Keith R.A. DeCondo, Candido. Artist and cover artist is Camilo Zagaria and Valentina Cuomo. Based on a 2021 animated series featured on Netflix, Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, this exciting graphic novel tie-in features all new original stories from the world of Resident Evil. It is scheduled to ship September 2022. Mature themes, 32 pages, full color, uh, hopefully, $4.99. So I didn't watch the thing on Netflix. I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm probably going to check it out and see if it's all right and maybe let my son watch it because he likes Resident Evil also. I don't think he's ever watched the movies really, but he likes zombies. He likes zombies. Um, So I'm going to pick that up. Um, Thank you, John, for this. And I hope there's uh, a lot more recordings than just mine and John's. Uh, Guys, it's really easy to record. I literally sit in front of my computer with my headphones on and stuff and record and play it back to make sure I can hear it and listen. And Audacity is cheap and easy, as in free. So uh, check it out. All right, guys. Have a great one. I'm literally doing this on Thursday morning when Wednesday the book came out. So I'm getting them out as soon as I can. And I'm heading to vacation also. So uh, enjoy your 4th of July, guys, when you hear this. I will see you on the next one. Check you out on Slack. Peace. I hope everyone found something of interest in the pre-order catalogs this month. I want to thank James, Brawlinator, Patrick, Billy, Moe, Nicholas, and Marvin for sending in clips. This would be a much shorter episode without you guys. Again, we've got an open submission policy on these episodes. Anyone can send in clips, including if you're working on one of these comics, either as a creator, editor, publisher, marketing person, whatever. The whole point of these episodes is to help people find the comics they're going to like. Now, the deadline for the preview spotlight is usually the second Saturday of the month, regardless of when the catalogs ship. You can always check the main page of the Comic Book Page website for the latest information on the deadline and to sign up for email reminders. This time we had to do it a little bit early because of some scheduling issues on my end. I want to thank everyone for also not only just sending in clips, but getting them in early to make this a little easier for me to put the episode together. I greatly appreciate it. I'm doing this on the morning of July 4th, and it looks like I'll even be able to enjoy 4th of July for the rest of the day and stuff once I get this done. So again, thanks. And with that, we'll call it an episode. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.